0: Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you want to write your words on our hearts, because you are determined to bless us, and you are determined to make us a blessing, that, Lord, we're just not just the selfish people who just get rich or fat or uh, full of of what you're doing, but we understand the goodness of what you've given us, and we're able to give away so much more. And so, Father, we just thank you that you're teaching us how to be more and more like you, more and more your people, more and more expectant of the things that you say. And so, Heavenly Father, we just place our hearts before you. We say, yes, Lord, we want to know your plans. We want to pray out the stuff that you've got. We want to see the way you see. We want to care for people like you do. Because, Heavenly Father, we just love what you've done for us. Amen. Wow. We're in this uh, week of prayer now, and the run up to Encounter next week. And uh, we've got uh, Jared Cooper coming, and we've also got Richard Annis coming, uh, pastor of uh, King's Church here in Manchester, Richard. And uh, he also goes out to the Congo and uh, 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 relate, right beside Zambia. There's a bit of an overlap with the two. Uh, parts, and takes the way of the spirit stuff out there as well. I just find it interesting how God works with a church here and church there, and there's an overlap of different things. As, as God has got his plan for the nations. God has his plan for the nations. Pastor Claire and I were teaching yesterday, uh, over the weekend, sorry, Friday and Saturday, at the training center, Rhema Bible Training Center, Rhema right, Bible College it's now called, sorry. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, if you haven't done the Rhema course, I want to encourage you to get involved and get studying. Because God wants to use people who are ready. A prepared people can be a used people. When we're not expecting anything, then God can't use us. So we need to be ready, we need to be trained. It's no point you know, just going with full of zeal if you've got nothing to impart. We're going to India, we've got lots of stuff bubbling away, and we're like, come on, Lord, which part is relevant for these people? What do you want to do? Because we're so full of stuff. And the thing is, when you go out, that's when you realize how much you have got. It's a bit of a dual thing. When you're sat there not using anything, you're just getting fat, and it actually doesn't work for you, it actually works against you. But when you actually use what God gives you, it reproduces in your life and in others so you increase in the right ways but other people get blessed. So we're in part three. We're getting ready for what God's going to do next week. Pastor Jared and their church, um, I was just hearing uh, that uh, one of the people on, on Raymer over the weekend was saying they were there when he laid hands on a woman in a wheelchair that had been brought by her carers And uh, they've been caring for her for the last four years. And they were freaking out because this woman walked out of the wheelchair. They had been with her for the last four years. They knew exactly what she was in the condition and state that was on in in her life. And then God healed her right in front of their eyes. Are you ready for some miracles next week? because this is what God is getting us ready for. So just turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What a word. This word that we've spoken out over these last couple of weeks that also goes with the scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. If you just want to glance to that, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And so in week one, we looked at the temple and we looked at how it was dedicated and the the sacrifice that was made, the blood that brought cleansing, that enabled the setting apart to be used by God. And we saw that with the blood, there was fire and there was smoke where God wanted to fill the place with himself and his glory. And then in week two, We looked at the function of the temple. You see, God put tongues of fire when he wrote the the words on tablets of stone, when he wrote on a wall to a king to warn him about what was going to happen, and then when he wrote on men's hearts. Tongues of fire enabled the new church, the the brand new church, to be able to, to walk in a supernatural level that had been promised. And so we see the Word of God being expressed not just on a piece of paper, but on, written on hearts, written in tongues of fire. But those tongues of fire then enable us to do things, which is pray. And so today we come to this week's because we're preparing for Encounter 2015. And Jesus said, I've called you to be a house of prayer. The temple was always the place of prayer. It was the place where there was intercession. And it says this in in Isaiah uh, 56, verse 7, it says, I called you to be a house of prayer. That word house actually means family. And the word prayer can also be translated intercession. So there is A family or a household. A family means everybody, young and old. Kids, grandparents, and everybody in between. And great-great-grandparents, if there are any. Those who are single and those who are not, they find their place in the temple because living stones were built together. Not just one person on their own trying to survive and show God's goodness. But multiplied, brought together, fit together, molded and worked together, we've become that temple where the Holy Spirit is able to affect nations. So we find a, lit- a church in the middle of Manchester, side Salford and in the media city, and where all the things going on, affecting nations. It's not just one or two people going out on a mission trip, the whole church goes when Keywood and Vincent went. The whole church goes when Claire and Alan go out. The whole church go out when you go out where you are. Your mission field is where you are. Where you are at any given time is your mission field. It's where the plan of God is to be worked out. You see, we're getting ready for the glory, the smoke. And it kind of, those kind of ideas, concepts, you know, we, we've got rid of the smoke over this city. That was the wrong kind of smoke. It caused oppression, it caused sickness, it caused in all kinds of infections. The God kind of smoke, it, it empowers, it empowers and brings life. It brings uh, not a burden that's heavy, the Shekinah glory of God, the, the, it's a weightiness, but it's, it, Jesus said, my Burden's are light my yoke's easy. It's the burden of God. It's a, con, it's a holding into the right place. It's, it keeps things in the right place, the Shekinah glory. I know these are words that maybe you don't have a, any clue about or understanding, but what it means is God wants to lead his people to freedom, to glory. So we've seen the transitions of the temples. We talked about the temple in the wilderness, in the desert where Israel just was learning to follow God. Then we saw the massive temple in the city, the place, but it had to be built by men of peace. It couldn't be built in war. But then we saw the real temple that God has always been planning, which was in the hearts of men and women. The hearts of people like you and me, ordinary people, with an extraordinary God, that we are actually in full partnership with God. He partners to work with us, to be in step with him, in tune, filled with God. And so we're going to just look at the story of Exodus. We're going to look at some things that you you know the stories, even if you've not been around church for any length of time. You know the story of the Exodus. If you've read anything of Moses and you, you've seen... Uh, the various films or musicals. But I just want you to know where the scriptures are. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Exodus chapters 1 to 4, we see the state that Israel was in. We see God raising up a man called Moses, him getting all kinds of ways wrong ending up in the back of nowhere, and God's still reaching out and pulling him in to God's plan. Isn't that good to know? Despite how we behave, do things, trying to make it our way, God still wants to work with us. He doesn't reject us and go, right, I've got someone else who will do it my way. He'll work with us, bringing us back online for the track so that he can bring help to people. It wasn't just for Moses' sake that God did those things. He worked with Moses because he had a vision of people. He saw people that needed help. So as we understand the the helps, the ministries that are going on, God is working with us, producing deliverance and help. Then we read in Exodus chapters 5 to 12, how God demonstrates his power, completely confounding one of the strongest nations in the world, and all the gods and idols and all the things they had, all the magicians and all the stuff, God showed his great power and virtually brought that nation to its knees so that he could bring people he'd chosen, he called, out to freedom. And as we read through these things, what we see is God led Israel in unusual ways. Okay. God led Israel. He did a miracle. He brought them out of slavery. But he had to change their minds. They had to not just see that slavery had finished. He had to see, they had to see that he had called them to something greater, which is called victory. It's one thing to see a bit of a release. Health, return, sickness, go. But we want to live in the fullness of strength, not just survival mode. We don't want to just see a few bills getting paid off. We want to see the debts demolished and, and financial flows coming back into people's lives that we can be a blessing. God's intention was that Israel would see the full and total destruction of their enemies. And so he led them. And as we read this, uh, we see this in in Exodus 13 and 14. God calls Israel to follow him. And he leads them. And he leads them to a place which, if you uh, read about it in in, um, Exodus, in Exodus 14, verse 1, it says, Tell the Israelites to turn back in verse 1 and encamp near Pi Haphoroth between Migdol and the sea. They're to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephron. Oh my goodness. Names. Names. Well, I just want you to un- unpack this a little bit. Pi Haphoroth. Means the mouth of gorges. Migdol is the place of towers. And Baal Zephron is the place of cold and typhoons and storms. So God led them into a place that actually hemmed them in. It, it, it put them into a narrow place that, in the, in the place of gorges, they were they were surrounded with towers or high cliffs and places uh, that they couldn't get out. And when it says, a little bit further on, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, and they, they changed their minds, and they went after them. And when they discovered where it was, actually, if you read in one of the other uh, translations and some other chapters, it says, they laughed. And it goes on in, uh, in chapter 15, it says, they boasted. They boasted. They boasted that they would overtake and wipe out Israel. You see, sometimes when God leads us, he doesn't lead us the way we expect. He leads us to places that look like it's impossible. We are hemmed in. We are brought into a place where either God helps or we are dead. Because that's the place where God loves to show us the destruction of our enemies. What is interesting, this place was hemmed in. It was, it was, they were forced into a small place. The word for Egypt, if you actually have one of those dictionaries and things, you can look it up. Uh, it's Mitzarajim or something like that. If you look in Strong's, it means a besieged place. Egypt, the name means hemmed in. And God took them from being in the land of Hemdin, brought them out of slavery, and He took them to the place called, that was physically hemmed in. Because He wanted to show them. His deliverance was total. He brought them out of slavery, and that was the first miracle. And they were enjoying that. But in their minds, they hadn't left it. And even later on after this, they still talked about going back to Egypt, back to being hemmed in, back to being restrained. Because that's what hemmed in means. It means to be restrained or constrained. It's a bit like a boa constrictor. It wraps itself around you and you can't move What it squeezes the life out of you. That's what debt does to you. It kills you. That's what sickness does to you. It destroys you. That's what family breakups do. It hurts your heart. It squeezes your heart so you feel you can't breathe at times. These things, it's the constraint of the enemy. But God brought them to that place of being trapped. That's what the enemy saw. The enemy saw Israel's trapped. They're dead. I've got them. That's what the enemy saw. But God saw an opportunity to bring great glory to him and to Israel. Israel. You see, what happens is the fire and the smoke appear. That's why I'm bringing back this. We've been speaking about the fire and the smoke. What do these things represent? But they represented the fire and the smoke. We see this in Exodus 14, verse 19 to 20. We see the fire and the smoke going backwards and forwards, protecting them. So they were in this gorge. They're in this bottleneck. But it's easy for God to protect them. See, God knows how to protect his people. God knows how to protect his people. That fire was going backwards and forwards over the entrance to the gorges and the the constrained areas. So Pharaoh could not come in. And what we see is we see Moses crying out before God because he doesn't know what to do. He's crying out and we, we see him praying and God says, get up. Verse 15, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. That's really helpful as a leader, isn't it? Tell the people to move on. Move on where? How do I move my family on? I'm a dad. How do I move my kids on when I can see no way to feed them? I can see no way to see healing. I can see no future for them in this area. How do I move my family on? Because God causes leaders to lead. But then God says, tell the Israelites, move on, raise your staff, stretch it out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go through after them. That sounds really interesting, doesn't it? Like, here, you're going to do a miracle. And by the way, the Egyptians are going to come there too. (laughs) Your enemies are going to come in the way you're going. So you're going to have to do it right. (laughs) I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel that the things that God's trying to do, I, I, I need to get them precise and right. And I'm not always sure that I understand what he's saying to me. But God made it clear to Moses, and he has promised that his sheep hear his voice. So you and I will not be questioning whether we're hearing God. We will know that we've heard God so that we can do what he is saying when he says it and actually get it right. That's what we were hearing last week. So God led them through the impossible, the Red Sea. He led them in, and as we read through those things, we see them walking with a the waves either side of them, looking and watching the miraculous happening around them, and then seeing their enemies following after them in exactly the same way. Because God's intention has always been to destroy the enemy. He wanted Israel to actually see the destruction of their enemies. When you see the destruction of cancer, when you see the destruction of debt, When you see the release of freedom into your life, you're supposed to remember, I saw it happen. My God met my needs and led me out and dealt with the enemy. Because sometimes we get ourselves free for a moment, like coming out of Egypt. They got free. It was all exciting. And then the enemy was chasing after them. To destroy them. And the miracle then happened. It, says, it talks about this in Jewish tradition. It says that they they, uh, they walked in the footsteps of God. That's what the, the, Israel, the Jews talk about, that happening. When they walked through the sea, they walked in the footsteps of God. And they talk about this when they refer to rabbis as well. That you want to walk in the dust of the rabbi so that you're walking so close that as he lifts his foot and it just afflicts a bit of dust, you're so close that it gets on your shoes. You're so close to what God is doing and God is saying that you're close and affected and the little steps that he takes affect you and you just get the dust on you. That's what it means to be following. This is discipleship. To walk so close that I catch the dust on the shoes. Israel was learning in that desert that God's glory was a covering and a protection. This is prayer. This is what prayer is. You see, when the glory comes, it transforms what's missing. When God's glory was lifted from Adam and Eve, they realized they were naked. They realized there was stuff missing we read that in Genesis chapter 3. When the glory lifted, they realized what they were missing. They were naked. And that if you're thinking there's stuff missing from your life, it's God's glory that you need, not things. It's God's glory. His intention has always been that his temple be filled with his glory. A temple's just a building. Without the glory of God, it's just there's no power, there's no effects, there's nothing useful. It's just a paper stones or a bunch of people. We need to be those filled with His glory. That's what it says in Romans eight. Just turn to Romans eight with me, because I just want to get into, and I've only got a few minutes to, to really unpack this. So we're going to move quickly. Romans eight. Verse 22 We know the whole of creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we also ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But what is hope? But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. The Holy Spirit helps us. You see, there might be frustrations that you have. It's frustrations, things you know are missing that you're feeling is like, how do I get those things in place? How do I move forward? It's not just emptiness and failures and worthless, but there's also a sense of needing to enter into some really good things prepared for us. Israel, moving out of Egypt was one stage, but to move into freedom took another miracle. They needed a double miracle. They needed to see God's hand at work. And you see, the Holy Spirit is to fill temples. The Holy Spirit helps. That word help, it's a suantilambanom ahi. There we go. Really, really long word. It literally means, in Strong's, if you, if you read into the details of what these words are made up, it means to take hold of opposite to cooperate or to assist. And it's like, okay. So the Holy Spirit takes hold of the situation opposite you to help you in such a way as providing real assistance. And so let's read But if we look at it a little bit more, it's, it's, it's to take hold of, to participate and bring succor, real help. That's the soon bit with a a union association partnership. But the su-anti, that bit means opposite. And it's instead of rather than in addition to. So the Holy Spirit partners with you instead of you. Now, this is interesting when we start to realize how when we're praying and the Holy Spirit's praying something, God Himself working in us, in partnership with us, Him praying through us instead of us praying. Hmm, I like that. It's going a whole level higher. And then there's lambano, which means to get hold of so actively that it's by force and with violence. It, it's literally ripping things out into place. You know, got a plaster on especially on your leg, where the hairs are. I know, mean, ladies, you know, you're, you're fine. Us men, you try and peel that thing off. It hurts like crazy. Why anyone waxes their legs? I do not get it. <laughs> you take that plaster off. It rips off. Oh, my goodness, does it hurt. But, you see, the Holy Spirit helps so that it doesn't hurt. He helps us with uh, movements, with, with things happening, so that what we don't know how to pray can't get hold of. He works into place, removes obstacles, restrictions in us and around us through violent intercession. See, when we pray, we don't just kind of go, oh, please, God, would you do something? We understand the Holy Spirit prays power into place, And says, Mountain, move. Debt begun. Jesus spoke to a storm in a boat, and the storm stopped, and the boat reached the other side. That's prayer. It's not, Oh my God, if you're around, would you please help me? It's praying, letting God pray with you and through you because He is right there. He is your helper. He is your support. He is your counsel. That just means wisdom. He is the one cooperating with us. That's what it means to be a house of prayer. You and I are a house of prayer, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, living temples that God produce answers for a desperate world, not just for you and me, for ourselves. Isaiah 53, he himself says he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressor. The transgressor means the one who went outside the boundaries that God said is where the good things are and went outside and got blown apart and things fell apart and went wrong. But Jesus made intercession for you and me, the transgressor. So whatever we've blown, whatever we've gone outside the boundaries of God's plans for our lives, God has made intercession and is interceding today through you and me for many. That's what it says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. I urge then, requests, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for everyone. And we're going to pray. And God's power is going to be released as we pray for folks. There's going to be miracles happen this week. I invite you. I don't care where your prayer life's at. If you will put your trust in Jesus today and believe him as Lord and Savior, if you're thinking my prayer life is just not really hitting the mark, I want you to receive to yourself the family intercession job. God will literally make each one of us powerhouses of prayer. You may not feel that you're much of a prayer at the moment. But this morning, power is going to be released. We're going to receive power from God to pray stuff out. When we pray and people ask, they're going to receive. When we pray and people seek, they're going to find. When they knock, there's going to be answers. As we take communion this morning, the blood, it's doing its work. And we put our trust in that blood. We're not in our abilities. It's not about how good you are. It's how good he is. That's what the cup, the wine, the blood symbolizes. It symbolizes cleansing. Because where there is mercy, God's forgiveness, God is then able to put his power. That's why it's bread and wine. It's life where the blood's been put. It's nourishment. It's strength. Both for us and many. You and I are a house of prayer. We're a family of prayer. I just want you to stand to your feet. Miracles are easy for God. We are usually the blockage. It always starts with us. Then other people can be a blockage, but it always starts with us. As we open our hearts, God, who has taken his spirit and put it in us, not just beside us, wants to work miracles this morning. is the promise of forgiveness this is the covenant every time you ask him to forgive you no matter what the cup tells you you have forgiveness I want you to look at it it's just a tiny bit of juice tiny bit of wine you see, it doesn't take a lot. There's so much power, so much power concentrated in that blood of Jesus. That just as a little, this is just symbolic. It's all it is. The cup, this juice, it doesn't change. But when you take it by faith, Jesus' blood changes everything. Forgiveness this morning. Let's receive the cup first for a change this is his blood of the new covenant shed for you and for me for the forgiveness of sins receive it by faith his blood cleanses you thank you thank you father thank you And he himself is our food. His word is our food. Every word that comes from him, we depend on it. So as we receive him now, just thank him that there's a spirit of intercession being released in your hearts. Extra abilities, supernatural things happening in and around you as you receive the bread. His provision is sufficient for every circumstance. In Jesus' name, let's together. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, we worship you. We present our bodies, living temples, fillers to overflowing, fillers to overflowing, fillers to overflowing. Let your glory be revealed. Hearts on fire for you. Hearts full of God's goodness for others. Lord, we don't want to be selfish. Show us how to pray for people, Father. We don't want to be selfish people. We want to be generous in every way. Oh, Heavenly Father, show us the people that you want us to pray for. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now just pray with the person beside you if no one's laid hands on you yet. You just pray for someone beside you. Speak God's blessing over their lives. Speak God's mercies, His kindness to them. Don't be passive. Just pray. Don't have to worry about whether you get the words right. Just pray and let God work a miracle through you for someone. He cares. He cares. He's the God who cares, Heavenly Father. Worthy, worthy are you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. still the storm Just keep praying Let the words of the song wash over you Yeah thank you Father I Thank you Thank wow. is, is, is impossible for you nothing is impossible nothing is impossible nothing is impossible just pray for your neighbors pray for the friends that you know your family begin to pray out the poor, the needy those who don't even know they need God he cares for them cares for your neighbor. are possible to him who believes. All things are possible with God, with God. And all things are possible because you believe. overcome. He's overcome. And he makes you an overcomer. He makes you an overcomer. have an anointing within that teaches you, teaches you how to pray. I want you just touch your lips and just declare over yourself, you have the ability to pray in every situation, the right things and not miss God. To say that to yourself. You're not someone who's guessing. When you pray, things happen. Because you're the house of prayer for the nations. Thank him. Whether you have feelings of how to pray or not isn't relevant. You have power when you pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We just bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Thank you. Jesus. Jesus. Across this week, we're going to be sending out emails, prayer situations, things to pray into across the week. So look out in your inbox. Each day, we're going to send an email through of things to pray for. So get ready because you're going to see answers to prayer. You're going to see answers to prayer. You're going to affect many.